Dating all the way back to January 1969, this property seemed to be the least likely to end up at a Disney theme park. A story of obscure cosmic heroes set out to defend the galaxy. This group didn't become a household name until the release of Marvel's 10th film in 2014. Powered by a charming cast, a stylistic director, and an energetic soundtrack, this movie quickly became a fan favorite, and surprisingly, the first Marvel attraction at a Disney theme park in the US. This week on Slice of Disney, Guardians of the Galaxy, Mission Breakout. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I am Groot. (laughs) I was not expecting that at all. (laughs) And this makes me nervous that for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to speak and all you're going to do is say, I am Groot. I did really wonder how much I should commit to the bit. <laughs> I was going through a process there because I was like, should I just go into like my normal spiel and then add? Gro-? No, it's just better if I just go. I am Groot, and then I was like, well, should I say that the entire podcast? I don't know. No, I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk normal. Okay, um, co-host, what's your name? I'm 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 your co-host, Will Lentz, uh, occasional Disney goer, and um, I'm Groot. You're also, I actually, I was thinking about it before, because since we are in the Marvel Universe for the first time, I probably should have said Spider-Gwen. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Um, and I do feel like, I think maybe what you're leading to there is of the, of the Marvel superheroes, I'm probably most closely aligned with Star-Lord. You are. You yeah. are Peter Quill. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a comic that I never really read too much. I mean, we were always kind of a DC household growing oh. up. Um, yeah, and and it's you know been kind of a bummer to like we we read some Marvel, but it's been kind of a bummer to see like DC just they can't get it together. Oh yeah, um, they... and Marvel is so fun. Like you know, it's not it's not that they're not good enough. It's they're a delight. And yeah, all these heroes that I had attachments to as kids, it's just like well, they're never gonna get that figured out. So yeah, I I do feel like DC gets poo pooed on. They do, a and lot. They, you know, you know, but that's okay. We're not worrying about them today. We're worried we're not, about Marvel. We're worried about Marvel. Can we, uh, for funsies, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna record, where I'm gonna say the intro. Sorry, everyone has to listen to it twice, so I get to say Spider Gwen. Enjoy, enjoy yourself. <laughs> okay, ready. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney obsessed enthusiast and real life Spider Gwen. How'd it feel? Oh, my God. It felt so good. Okay, cool. cool, cool, cool. Uh, for those listening who don't know me very well, um, I am obsessed with Spider-Gwen. She is super cool and me. I mean, she's great. I mean, I, Spider-Gwen is a lot of – it's a very fun character. And honestly, like, look, the Into the Spider-Verse is – It's one of probably, my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the best superhero movie that's come out. It's amazing. It's – Yeah. I don't think you can beat it. So – and you and so your choice of Marvel, since we're in the Marvel universe for the first time, we we should go ahead and establish this. Are, are you Peter? Then are you Peter Quill? I, I guess I, I um I'm either Peter Quill or I'm Fat Thor, right? <laughs> 
You are not Fat Thor. <laughs> I like video games, and I like hanging out with my buds. Uh, I do love Fat Thor. What a, like, <laughs> is that part of the comics? I don't actually know. Yeah, because again, the DC DC household. I don't. I'm sure there are some parts of it in there, but I I don't. So here's the thing: if you really, you know, that storyline is not really how uh, the Infinity Stone storyline goes. Um, the Infinity Saga doesn't go that way. Uh, so I mean, he does snap, but it doesn't become like this. Then they kill him, and then they have to do all the go back in time. It doesn't have that aspect to it. I do think it's kind of interesting though, because. The Guardians of the Galaxy, to bring it back to sort of what this ride is, they played such a big part in that entire saga. And, I, you know, I think going into Infinity War and Endgame, you know, people who didn't know the comics at all probably weren't expecting, like, Gamora and Nebula to play such a big role uh, in the overall story arc. But that's oh, yeah. kind of from, you know, they're, they're related to Thanos, and that's part of... Uh, what the actual storyline is in the comics. Um, Nebula plays a huge role in it. Um, and so, you know, these kind of, you know, as we'll see through, as we talk through this this episode, uh, this kind of obscure cast became such a big part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and they kind of drove this giant, you know, vehicle uh, that became like this you know, $18 billion property. Yeah. So one of the reasons we wanted to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout was because the lead designer and Imagineer extraordinaire that worked on this project is Joe Rohde. Joe Rohde of the previously mentioned Expedition Everest, um, which we have covered, and a whole slew of other attractions and design influence throughout the parks. Yeah, to give just some of his small works, um, the entire park of Animal Kingdom, uh, the entire resort of Alani in Hawaii, <laughs> um, aka he has had his hands in some really epic parts of Disney. And um, one of the things that he's he worked there for four decades. And specifically, because I think we, we said we want to talk about it because of Joe Rohde, he just retired. Um, yes, he so just. So that's, that's one reason we wanted to bring it up. He just retired on January 4th, um, which is well-earned but sad for um, us just because he's such a unique creative mind. His brain seems to work in every access that a human's brain can work. And so he's just been able to come up with all these amazing things. So um, what a huge congrats to him. So we wanted to honor him. I was kind of talking to Will that one of the reasons I think Joe Rohde is so special is because he reminds me a lot of these Imagineers we've talked about um, that works with Walt. And he's not alone in the newer Imagineers to do that, mm -hmm. but I do think he is extremely special. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that, um, as I think we mentioned maybe a little bit in Expedition Everest, but the more you get to know about him, it's like he's the kind of guy that travels the world and gets life experiences and then finds ways to use that to influence the work, creative work that he is doing. He brings that kind of stuff to his designs. Um, and I think, you know, I think you, you hear about that with a lot of people that are interested in the arts. There's the idea you can go to art school to become a designer, um, or you can also go out and experience things. And it, it tends to be the ones that experience things that have a more outside the box thinking on how they might do stuff. And, you know, there's certainly some, there's certainly a lot of uh, good Imagineers that probably came up through the traditional ranks, but he's the kind of guy that offers a different point of view. And as you said, I think that that really ties in towards some of that really like original cast of Imagineers. Um, 
like our favorite Raleigh Crump. Will's favorite. Let's speak. My favorite Raleigh Crump. <laughs> Actually, Wally Crump is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Joe Rody is, you just listen to interviews with him and he's so passionate and excited, even about Guardians. Yeah, speaking of interviews, great segue. There was just one that came out like this past week talking about this specific ride and what other things it could have been. Yeah, Joe Rody uh, did an interview. Uh, he was on a podcast with D23. Um, and he was talking about some of the other ideas they had for Marvel attractions to replace Tower of Terror. Uh, what bumps me out is that I guess it was part of the plan to replace Tower of Terror all along. <laughs> Regardless, it seemed like that was a thing that they were going to be doing. Yeah, I was like, um, oh, man. <laughs> and they were trying to figure out how to marvelize it. Um, marvelize it. That is a great word. Thank you. I probably didn't make it up, but I feel like I just did. Um, <laughs> one of the ones I thought, you know, he, he mentions two different other IPs that they were interested in possibly bringing in. Um, and I think, and, and one of them is Doctor Strange, uh, which I think would have been really cool. I think it makes... He said, we ran a couple of ideas. We could do Doctor Strange. That would work really, really well in almost what Tower of Terror is. And I think that that makes sense um, because, you know, if you've seen the movies or you're familiar with the character, he does a lot of, like, portals and a different, um, like, portals that will take him from one place to another. Uh, you might all of a sudden be in the Arctic zone. You might be uh, in the desert. So there's a lot of fun I think you could have um, with using that kind of uh, that kind of concept. Um, with the ride that we have as it exists. Yeah, I totally could have seen it as a Doctor Strange ride. Uh, one of the other things that they said, because in his mind, there wasn't that much that made this building identified as a hotel. So once you stripped those basic things, it was pretty easy to replace. One of the other things they talked about was doing Spider-Man. Um, luckily, they realize that doesn't work. Spider-Man needs a lot more space than just an up and down. And I totally agree. It would have felt yeah. like such a cop out. I have high hopes um, for what they will ultimately do with Spider-Man. And oh, me too. Um, and I do think that it deserves something cooler than uh, just reskinning Tower of Terror. Um, it would kind of work. I think. I think. I think it's definitely in the right vein to think Doctor Strange or Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, it's fun. It's not overshadowing the ride. Um, and it's not overshadowing the IP. They kind of work well together. Yeah, I agree. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Um, it is an accelerated drop tower dark ride. Uh, it's an attraction at Disney's California Adventure at the Disneyland Resort. And um, it used to be something very special that we're going to get into. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you have to start there. Okay, fine. Just wasn't <laughs> sure if I was ready to talk about it. Of course, of course. So part of the reason uh, I'm excited to talk about this ride is because we're actually getting to talk about Tower of Terror for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it used to be Tower of Terror. It is the same infrastructure and ride system of Tower of Terror. The California version, the West Coast version, not the East Coast version. If you listen to our Tower of Terror episode, we focused a lot on the Tower of Terror in uh, Florida because that's the one that's still there that's the OG so um, this one is a little different yeah I mean one of the one of the things that we talk about in the Tower of Terror episode um, we do allude to this particular ride and we've talked about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout in, in a couple of different times and, and one thing that we've said about it and I think remains true is that they didn't really innovate on the actual attraction they changed a lot of the 
uh, visuals and they changed, they basically reskinned Tower of Terror um, to to fit this kind of Guardians of the Galaxy theme. And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what that looks like and, and kind of the differences there. But when we're talking it pure from like a ride and attraction level, um, it's very similar. Uh, so in the late 80s, Michael Eisner was working on plans for Euro Disney for a drop ride slash roller coaster. And in my opinion, it kind of felt like an amped up version of Big Thunder. It was mm-hmm. called Geyser Mountain. Yeah. Uh, it's, the blueprints look a lot like what Big Thunder looks like. So I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the difference was or what the story was there. It was called Geyser Mountain. The drop uh, was going to be the geyser. There you go. Or what if it was a shoot up? Mm. Well, I think it was going to be both. <laughs> uh, it was scrapped. MGM slash Hollywood Studios uh, brought it back to life because... They knew they wanted to do a big thrill attraction and they were building out this Hollywood Boulevard and they were, you know, it has this 1920s, 1930s feel. And so they ended up and they they also at the same time knew they wanted to do a haunted ride. Um, They had a lot of different spooky options they went through um, that we talk about in Tower of Terror and they ended up with doing the Twilight Zones, Tower of Terror, and the exterior is this 1930s hotel. Yeah. And I mean, I think think it's important to remember, too, that this was a time when they didn't have a ton of rides for adults um, or for their aging audiences, right? So there was kind of the stigma that Disneyland and and the Disney parks were more for kids. Um, And so they were like, well, how can we provide some entertainment there for? And that's where the the urge to have more of the thrill ride kind of stuff uh, came about. Yeah, Michael Eisner uh, at Disneyland was doing the same thing, adding some more adult rides. Um, And so here in Florida, um, at the MGM Studios, when they opened it, nothing was there. It was, you know, people weren't totally loving it. So this was definitely going to be a huge draw they were excited about. So they they knew they had to invent a new ride. They Once they decided on a drop ride, they needed to engineer something, because that's what Disney does, um, that would allow more people. And was going to need to be faster than a typical drop ride. It needed to be able to move faster uh, up and down. So the companies that worked on it were Otis Elevator Company, which created the vertical ride system. And then Eating Kemway, uh, who created the vehicle that could drive itself into that elevator shaft. Yeah, because it has two parts, right? It has the part where you're in the um, cart and you're moving uh, through stuff until you get to the shaft where then you're on the elevator and then you start going up and down. Yes. This is just specific to Florida. Right. The, good to remember. Um, Tower of Terror opened July 22nd, 1994, along with the rest of Sunset Boulevard uh, in, in MGM Studios. And it was a huge success. I am we when we got to talk uh, to Mark Silverman and he told us about going to that opening night. Uh, wow, that was really cool to hear about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and and like you like you mentioned, it was a huge success, and I think I think they kind of put the idea in their back pocket in case they might need it again later. Yes, Michael Eisner, you can be proud of this moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after uh, Tower Terror opened, we fast forward a little bit and. We're, we Eisner is looking for more stuff to do. He wanted to open a West 
Coast Epcot, and they thought of doing something there. They thought of something doing something around the Queen Mary uh, in Long Beach, California, a little south of Los Angeles. Um, they were really just wanting to do another park there. Couldn't think of anything. Then they decided, and we're going to get into this more when we do a specific Disney's California Adventure episode, but they did, uh, they decided to do a Disney's California Adventure because they thought so many tourists come to California to see so many parts of California. What if we just made a theme park of it so they could see all of it at this theme park? That'll drive tourism to Disney. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, well, you're in California. What if you saw more California? It's like, I could do that. I didn't come I, to Disneyland. <laughs> that, I have no idea how they got away with that idea. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that it, 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 you're right. It doesn't make sense. I, I look, it's, I love California Adventure now. Um, me too. But when it first opened, they, they thought they had this huge hit on their hands. Um, and so Disney's California Adventure opened February 8th, 2001. They were expecting these huge crowds, uh, this overwhelming, you know, amount. They were worried it was going to kill Disneyland. Yeah, they were so worried it was going to kill Disneyland that they decided, okay, we got to get the older kids back over to Disneyland. Um, so they uh, resurrected this Geyser Mountain idea uh, to, to get the crowds back there. But very quickly... Uh, they realized that California Venture was not so great and it was struggling. So they said, oh, scrap that. Uh, we're bringing a West Coast character. <laughs> because inst yeah. instead of needing to bring an adult crowd over to Disneyland, they just needed to bring anyone to California Adventure. I think it's important to note for anybody that has not actually been to California Adventure or um, Disneyland that these parks are about 150 feet apart from each other that's just a very simple walkway to get from one entrance to the other which is to say that California Adventure was performing so badly that people that went to Disneyland couldn't be bothered I mean granted there was an extra ticket but were, didn't want to check it out even enough to walk over there and, and, and take a look at it so they had to have something to bring people in from entrance to entrance from the exit to then scanning your ticket I would say is between three and four minutes at most. At most, like that's if like you're, walking. If you're slowly. walking and you're looking for your names on the bricks, yeah, then, <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, that's just like taking your sweet time. Um. Exactly. <laughs> so they had a problem. They needed to. They needed to find a way to get more people in there. And like you said, they turned back to the idea that worked so well in Florida. Yeah, and the. Design, because the Tower of Terror in Disneyland, in California Adventure, is different than the Florida version. And this version was actually originally designed for Paris because oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted to really up the uh, Euro, the, you know, Disneyland Paris, Euro Disney. And so the idea was to put the Tower of Terror there. But then California Adventure was suffering so badly that even though Disneyland Paris was suffering... They were like, uh-uh, we this has to go here. I'm really interested. I know we're gonna do um we we will do a full episode on uh California Adventure and, and what went into that process because it did flop so badly, which is just I mean, I'm just excited to, to get into it when we do get to it. Oh yeah, me too. Um they they're very similar. So some of the changes, um, just so you can picture it, are the exterior um of this one is more of a Pueblo Deco style, which is a very common style in Southern California. Um, still modeled after a lot of these Southern California uh, 
famous hotels. Um, the biggest difference, and this is something that they learned from the previous one, is that the queue area has two floors. Because the ride vehicle is going to stay in the elevator shaft the whole time, it isn't going to be moving forward at all. Um, what they did is they had two floors so that one ride vehicle was able to ride the ride while the other vehicle was being loaded. So as soon as that one was out, the other one goes up, making the uh, ride lines go a lot faster. Yeah, increasing the turnover rate. So because Th- I mean, it's a very popular there you go. ride. That's the words. Those words work better. <laughs> Those are the words I was looking for. <laughs> Something else I think is really interesting that I didn't realize is that this version, every single ride is the same. So in Florida, the elevator. Um, and we did talk about this a little bit, how they programmed it so that every time was different. There is a bunch of different uh, simulations, I guess, of, of how the ride is going to raise and drop. This one, every single time, was the same. And I, and I assume that that probably helped with, with turnover as well, uh, being able to have that same kind of formula. As, as since they only have that, you know, this, the... Since they don't have the track that goes in front, it probably helps them just time it a little bit better. Yeah, I think that, um, and because of having, you have to, you the way that this one works is the scenes that you see, um, it opens an elevator door, and then you were going to see a mirror of all of you and your guests, and it kind of does this little, you know, it does almost like a magic trick, and it looks, you know, you look ghost-like and stuff. You're like, oh, look at me. And then it goes to another um, level in the elevator where it opens, and you see the hallway, and um, then you see the people at the end and it turns into the Twilight Zone, just like the other one, but, you know, it's just another level. And instead of going down a hallway, uh, as we hear uh, narration uh, to lead us into the fifth dimension, this one, we just see the scene and then you drop. Right. So it is a little bit more straightforward. It is a little more straightforward. Still so much fun. You can't miss with this theme. Um apparently Disney might have disagreed, but we're not there yet. (laughs) When it opened in DCA, it was a huge hit. Um, It immediately uh, took off. It had the exact exact same excitement as it did in Florida until 2012. Cars Land opened and the Radiator Springs Racers opened. This was going to be the first time that uh, Tower of Terror was not the number one attraction in California Adventure. Interesting. I actually did not know that, um, but that was one of the reasons that it kind of uh, that, that that peeled some attention from Tower of Terror. It I'm did. a huge fan of Radiator Springs Racers. Um, that's like one of my favorite rides over there. So I can see why people uh, felt that way. But I mean, for me, it was one and two. Exactly. And I think that's probably common. They're the best rides. I love both of them. Um, I was there on opening day of Cars Land. So wait for that one day. We're going to have a lot of stuff to talk I've about there. I've been pushing. I've been, I'm, I've been wanting to get that one to you guys, audience. Yeah, I know. She and keeps I, ignoring me when I say it. I just am nervous because I feel like I have a lot on it. Um, <laughs> but this did, this became the most popular ride. And then. Another popular thing happened. We're just going to go through all the popular things. August 1st. Popular. (laughs) Uh, Darn it now. That song stuck in my head. (laughs) August 1st, 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy opened in theaters and was a massive success. It was the number one movie that year in the box office for 2014. Is that true? I thought I saw it was number three. 
Okay, I was fact-checked, and apparently the internet lied to me, and Guardians of the Galaxy was actually the third highest-grossing film in the box office of 2014. Still very impressive. Yes, and it was the highest-grossing superhero film of 2014. Um, The ones it was behind were Transformers, Age of Extinction, and The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, which I think you could argue are also superhero movies and also two not very good movies. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like a little disappointed. No offense to those movies, but like not as good as Guardians. Well, I am sure in the long term, Guardians has made more money than both of those. I would agree. Yeah. Because Disney has their hands on it. It's maybe not surprising that it didn't blow it out of the water to begin with because people didn't know who the Guardians of the Galaxy were going into it. Um, You know, I think as the kind of comic guy on this podcast, (laughs) um, the Guardians of the Galaxy originally came out in 1969. Um, They had the original team that they had were names that you would probably not recognize and ones I don't have off the top of my head. Um, So wait, the, the characters that we follow in the Guardians of the Galaxy film... Peter Quill and uh, Groot. And yeah. And all of those Gamora, characters are not the original characters? They are not. Oh. Um, the original 1969 team were a variety of other space cosmic hero types. Um, the ones that we follow are the 2008 team. Um, and that's when Peter Quill became more of the face of it. Um, they even said, like, if you go back and look at the original announcement of this film, which I think happened in either 2009 or 2010, I saw a couple of different things about it. Um, Kevin Feige was saying, like, the way he framed it was, like, we also have some more obscure films that are going to be coming out, like the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think we have a really fun take on it. Um, So even going into it, Marvel didn't really expect it to gain such a following as it did. Um, But I think you, you just simply have to watch the movie and you'll see why it does. It is one of the first real examples of Marvel, kind of the Marvel tone, I think. Yes, I agree. Which became, yeah, which became, like, oh, this was not just an action movie. It's also really fun and feels like you're reading a comic because it's got these otherworldly stuff to it, but also these funny one-liners and these characters are interesting. And, you know, a thing that we talked about before, I am borderline obsessed with the cast that they got to be part of this. Yeah, we were we talked a little bit before and I had I didn't know that Will felt this way. Yeah, so obviously you have Chris Pratt who is having a moment in these couple of years. Um, he was obviously on... You know, the hit sitcom, Parks and Recreation. Yay! <laughs> um, he was getting involved in Marvel. He was in uh, Jurassic World. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have, you know, formal, former wrestler who actually is way better at acting than he probably deserves to be, Dave Bautista. He is uh, so funny. Yeah, he's very funny. You have Zoe Saldana, who is, you know, huge in Avatar and also this uh, huge presence as well. Um, But she's also completely covered up in green. Um, You have Vin Diesel, who I did not remember was Groot. (laughs) And you have uh, Bradley Cooper, um, who is the raccoon. Like, you take like these two A list, attractive level actors and you put them behind cgi and um zoe saldana as well a less attractive level uh actor and you put her behind uh, all the screen and then you have chris pratt out here like cutting lines and doing (laughs) dance stuff and it's it's so bizarre and mixed with the super high energy soundtrack that's full of what we would call wedding music because you know all the words and you just like dancing along with it and obviously it just becomes this great hit i am not Uh, To give you a little backstory of my Marvel, I saw Iron Man and I was like, oh my God, this is the first time I think I've liked a superhero movie. Um, 
And I think it, it was the element of realness and the hint at comedy that they added. And it just felt like, oh, this could be happening in right now. And when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I was obviously very excited to see Chris Pratt. And, um, and, and then getting to see, I was a, like amazed at how good this movie was. It was so much fun. I, I immediately downloaded the soundtrack. I, I was so addicted to it. And I know that that, I think both of our feelings are really common. I also, as an actor, usually when I'm watching something, pick out the voice actor pretty quickly. If it's a, you know, A-list name, I still... And even watching, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy ride multiple times, I'm like, that's not Bradley Cooper. How is Bradley Cooper? I agree. How is he? So, And then I just watched Wedding Crashers the other night, and he's, like, playing this, like, young turd muffin. And you're like, he's a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. I I still, like... It's one of those, I, I can't place it when he's being Rocket Raccoon. I would, I'm sure there's like YouTube videos out there of him like voicing it that would be fun to watch and yeah. just be like, okay, well, that's weird now. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think before I knew that it was him, I think when somebody told me he was in it, I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's wild. It it's yeah. totally wild. It, it was still a surprise, I think, that this was the, the first kind of Marvel attraction that they decided to incorporate into the Disney parks, but maybe a little bit less of a surprise once they saw the reaction that people had to it, especially yeah. because it did have that fun side of it, which is what you need at a, at a Disney attraction. I agree that it was no surprise uh, that they were going to make a Guardians of the Galaxy ride, but what was a surprise was where they were going to put it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Me. Um... <laughs> I make that noise a lot in text. I write M H H H me. Um, <laughs> they, uh, all right. So what happened? We'll get into it. Though there was rumors going around, it was confirmed at the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con that the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror would be closing on January 3rd, 2017. And the first Disney attraction uh, that was going to be Marvel-themed in the United States would open... Uh, in its place. Uh, I do want to mention that they were booed a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and also there, there was a petition that was signed by over 35,000 people to not change the Tower of Terror. Uh, how many of those signatures were from people that are currently on this podcast? All of them. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, did I you was... sign it though? I'm curious. To be honest, probably I think I did because yeah, if it I came was across your desk. I'm sure you probably would have. Oh my god, I was really yeah. upset. I was like, I don't get it. How could you do it? And then when it all happened, it happened really quick. Like even when the ride was still open, they had already taken down the the Hollywood Tower sign. Um, and I mean, as soon as it closed, the scaffolding went up and they started work because um, and I was very sad. But four months later, which tells you a lot, four months later. Uh, May 27th, 2017, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout opened. This was only 22 days after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 opened in theaters. So there was a lot of hype around Guardians of the Galaxy. Good on them. And uh, it was it, it opened to a huge bang. I'm not going to lie. The building itself is not cute. And it's a little bit of an eyesore because it towers over everything else. And you're like, it's... It's, yeah, it make, it makes sense when it was the hotel 
Um, yeah. You know, the hotel look to it now just kind of feels, it definitely feels out of place. Um, maybe it will feel more in place once the Avengers Campus opens. I, I'm um, hoping that it will feel a little more in place once the Avengers Campus opens. It makes sense in the world of like the collector's a little tacky. Mm-hmm. And so the tackiness of it makes sense. But you see like the California bear like rock formation. And then you see this gaudy, I don't, it's still a tower. We, we got to call it what it is. It's still a tower. It is still a tower. Yeah. So, you know, those are the things that I don't love. But the inside of it, there's a lot of things that I do love. And it's because a lot of brilliant minds went into creating this ride. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, 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 it almost is a one to one if you think or it's not that it's not that hard of a jump to think about from. You know, one of the appeals of the Tower of Terror was you're in Twilight Zone. There's all this. There's effectively a collection of props and stuff. And you're going well, I, but I'm just trying to say <laughs> it's not that not that hard for them to figure out how to how to make this work, right? Right. Um, you're going through a hotel lobby and you're seeing all. The, there's just a bunch of different stuff to look at. All these kind of cool little old artifacts and typewriters and this is from the movie this is from that that kind of thing so it is a pretty natural progression to say okay well let's put them let's put the collector who is this character in the guardians of galaxy universe who has all these kind of fantastical items and you're kind of in his area now and you look around and you're seeing all these different um artifacts and these different interesting pieces um throughout the marvel universe or at least within the guardians of the galaxies area so that that is cool it is fun um Maybe I wish they had done something a little bit more creative, and that wasn't just a straight nose to nose kind of thing. But yeah. uh, but it is, but it's a it's 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 cool. It's cool stuff to look at while you're in line. Yeah, I mean that that is definitely part of the queue. We'll we'll take a step outside the the interior of the queue first, and the exterior. You're going through these like little like circular pathways through Tavon's Oasis, uh, known as the Gardens of the Galaxy. <laughs> there you go. Tavon also being the collector. Yes. Um, and you're going to see some very strange, unusual plants. Um, some of them, I think it's cool because they're real plants that are really unique that the Imagineers had to find. Some are fake. Um, <laughs> and Do they have birds of paradise in there? Those are my favorite unique plants. Oh, that's a great question. I'm not sure. They have them at the Getty. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> kind of the same thing. <laughs> There's a collection up there, you know? Really? Yeah, of art. <laughs> <laughs> is Paul J. Getty is Paul J. Getty the collector? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, another thing that's featured. I in, am ruining this podcast. I'm yeah, sorry. I you ruin every podcast. <laughs> Actually, you I uh, the gardens. Uh, they also feature his collection of sounds, which mm-hmm. now I'm gonna have to listen for a little closer when I go through the queue. Even though I always go through fast pass lane, we'll get to that. Um, the then we are now in the fortress lobby. As you're entering the lobby, there is this huge statue of the collector, uh, looking as fabulous as ever, uh, posing in the way only the collector would. Yeah, e- epically, of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll be honest, like, look, I you know going into it. I don't think I, I probably fast pass lane did as well. 
Um, so maybe that was why. But like, I don't, I don't think I realized that that's what they were going for until I walked in and saw the statue of him. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Uh, oh, so it's not, it's not super straightforward. Yeah, the building is not. You're not like, oh, this is the collector's fortress. Mm-hmm. Um, so inside the lobby is going to be all of these like ceiling display cases that are hanging down, and then some display cases uh, on eye level. And they're going to contain a bunch of living creatures uh, and objects, different things that the collector has collected. There's a cocoon of unknown origin. um, And the fan theory there is that the cocoon is uh, hibernating Adam Warlock. There's an Ultron sentry. There's a Warlock eye. There's a bunch of stuff that is going to be like hints to different either Guardians things or Marvel things. My favorite thing that is in the uh, collector's entryway is if you look up at the top left, there's going to be a little purple case hanging down. And you can see Figment from Epcot's Journey into the Imagination. Oh, cool. A couple other things that are worth mentioning are there's Howard the Duck. You do get to see Stan Lee. He made his way in. And there's Cosmo, the dog from the first movie. So there's a bunch. There's more than I'm mentioning, but there's a ton of artifacts and stuff. And if you are a big um, Marvel fan, tons of stuff to look at. You're probably going to know more of them than I do. So while you're in this fortress lobby area, you have the collector like showing off his prized possessions and he begins to kind of tell you, you know, because we are about to go on a tour. We are tourists going on this tour of... We're tourists again. <laughs> We're tourists again. I love that. And like the, the the premise behind this too is that he talked Peter Quill into coming um, to get a tour of his thing. So he is a tourist. So once again, Disney returns to the well of we need an attraction Let's make the tourists be tourists. I didn't even think about that. That is of so funny. <laughs> it's the only thing I look for with every attraction. It, are we tourists? Are we, <laughs> uh, we are. And yeah, yeah that is how uh, he is showing us that we are going to get to enjoy his, you know, his collection and his newest uh, items, I guess you could call them, that are in human and live character form. Uh the Guardians of the Galaxy. He caught them. He did. He trapped them. He invited uh, the Guardians to come on a special tour, but really it was all a master plan to get them um, and trap them. He, We get to see them hanging um, in these glass cases that are electrified so they can't escape. But of course, Rocket being Rocket, he managed to escape. So after, um, after we kind of leave this lobby area... We are about to go into the collector's office. But in order to go in, we must raise our hands high in the sky and have it scanned by these blue red lights. They kind of like don't strobe. It's not going to have a strobe effect, but they kind of like blink. And then it goes bing. And then we go in. Mm. And, And to this day, I'm stubborn and I don't hold my hands up. I'm like, no, you're not Tower of Terror. And they still haven't let you ride the ride. I know. I've never ridden it. I'm just talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, they they do. Somehow I sneak in like Rocket. Um, now we are in the collector's office. His private office. Where he's going to scare, carefully scrutinize each and every... Ah, da, 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 da. All right. Enough already. 
(laughs) (laughs) Who was that? Okay, that was Rocket because he managed to escape. And so we see. So we. I, I think it's. I think here is interesting. What when we're in the office, this is also where you would be getting the um, the video for the Twilight Zone, right? Yes. Like where you're getting our former guest um, uh, Mark Silverman coming in and, and giving the speech for the Twilight Zone uh, Tower of Terror Hotel. Uh, we are once again in this room, and you are kind of watching uh, part of the storyline play out. And in this instance, it's what you just kind of alluded to there. We're hearing from the collector, um, but then. Uh, in comes Rocket Raccoon uh, in an animatronic form up like around on top of the shelves and he is giving us a little speech explaining what's going on. If the animatronic isn't working for whatever reason, Disney was very smart and went ahead and made a uh, CGI version that comes up on the screen and takes over. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. If if the animatronic isn't working properly. So um, sure. sometimes you do get that version, which is, you know, it's also kind of fun to see. That's fine. At least they let me, like, yeah, that that's that's smart. Have a backup so they don't have to, like, stop people from coming through. Unless yeah. Unless they can keep the ride going. In the office, though, is where you can find one of the things that I think is the coolest mentioning, um, speaking of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, is that there's a little bellhop hat. Um, so they, they have that little Easter egg in there for, for the people, uh, who, you know, miss Tower of Terror, which I think is everyone. Oh, of course. There's a couple more and we'll get to those when we get to our head and Mickey. Definitely. If you've seen this video, um, pay attention to all of your surroundings while you're in the collector's office. There is a ton of Easter eggs, really cool. Um, just artifacts or, you know, trinkets and it's it is worth looking around. They kind of rush you out, so you can't take your time after the crowd leaves. Mm-hmm. But maybe each time you go in, look for something different, um, because there is there's so much to look at there. Well, they rush you out because you got to save the guardians. We do. Uh, I won't do like I do at Tower of Terror, but you got to <laughs> let me do a little of it. Ready? Go for it. All right. Carefully scrutinize each and every piece that comes to me from different parts of the galaxy. Da, da, da. Let's mute this guy. Hearing your incessant blabbering on a constant loop was a big motion for me to escape. I, ow, ow, he's hitting his head. What the, that wasn't part of the plan. Everybody laughs. What, of course I escaped. For those of you not paying attention, the name's Rocket, one of the guardians of the galaxy, the smart one. Listen up, he's gonna put you on a gantry lift for your tour. I'm gonna sneak on top of your lift and take us all the way to the top of the big old generator control room. I'm gonna blast that thing and destroy all the control systems, which will open every cage in this freak show and free my friends. Our buddy Mantis is in the getaway ship waiting for my signal and then we're on our merry way. There you go. So that's the exposition for what <laughs> you're going to be trying to do in this exactly. ride. Exactly. <laughs> the guardians are captured. Rocket's on your side. He needs you to ride this elevator so he can you know, go do some stuff, blast some stuff, and uh, then they escape. Before you exit the uh, the collector's private office, look up uh, on the left. Well, it depends on which side you're on, but I think it's the left side of the door where you exit to go into the boiler. I don't know what they call it now. The boiler room. Um, uh, you're going to see Rocket's hand reach down and get Quill's Walkman. Ooh, I don't think I've noticed that before. Ooh-hoo. Uh Now we're going to be in the boiler room. It's supposed to be, I don't know, like the backside of the place. I don't know. It's a boiler yeah. room. Again, so... <laughs> The reason that you're saying that with that tone for anyone that hasn't been there um, is that it is very clearly they did not 
they did not reconstruct much. They like changed, you know, the decorations, but but you're still. It feels like you're in the boiler room from the Tower of Terror. Yeah. Where you're about to get in the service elevator. This time, it's you're in the back area of something, and there's maybe some Guardians themed stuff. Um, and then you're just on your way to get onto the. It. The, they did the not change this really much at all. This and the, the ride gantry. vehicles themselves. Yeah, the gantry lift is the elevators. Um, yes. <laughs> um, you're gonna get in them. And um, what happens is that the the car the car that the lift is in is going to come back a little bit, and we get to see um, as the collector is kind of narrating what he expects our experience to be like. Uh, Rocket comes up, and we see him unplug um, the the narration of the the collector and plug. He takes in- out the aux cable. Oh yeah, he did. This is like a really big ox cable, though. And <laughs> plug in um, uh, Peter Quill's Walkman. Awesome mix. You're going to get one of six different songs, and with each song comes a different version of the ride. And this is the best part of this ride. This um, is the best part of the ride for sure. It is the ability to listen to fun music while you're going on this thrill ride. It is. Once you're on the ride. You are still in what looks, what feels like an elevator shaft, yeah. um, but instead of going up and down in the dark, um, you're going to kind of bounce around. The ride vehicle itself is not going to stop moving the entire time. You're not going to have as drastic ups and downs, but instead you're going to have these pit stops where instead of seeing these little uh, spooky scenes, you're going to be seeing these big elaborate Guardians of the Galaxy scenes, and that is part of the ride. So yeah. So each of these hit songs is going to have a different, fully cinematic scene to go with it. A couple scenes to go with it. Yeah, and so I mean, I think it's important to note, like when you're when you're having these kind of stops, um, even though they're not full stops, you're you're looking at like a digital screen, like you're in like you know, and then and then out from out in front of it, all of a sudden there's Chris Pratt, um, <laughs> who's been recorded doing X, Y, and Z, and then you go to something else, and then you see uh, Zoe Saldana, and it's like you're you're seeing the actual cast in there. They did a good job. You get all of the original actors that are in it, um, except for Groot was no longer voiced by Vin Diesel. Um, but James Gunn, the original director and writer, directed all of the scenes involving the cast, and Tyler Bates, who was the composer for all of the Guardians films, um, also uh, did all of the music for this attraction and the queue and stuff. Um, and... And then all these songs uh, were suggested by James Gunn. I'll go through the songs. I won't go through all of the scenarios, um, but I'll, I'll, I'd like to go through maybe my favorite and Will, if you have a favorite. So you have the songs are I Want You Back by the Jackson 5, Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar, uh, Give Up the Funk by uh, Parliament, Free Ride by the Edgar Winter Group. I did not know who that's who that was by. I didn't um, either. Burning Love by Elvis Presley, and Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. Heck yeah. All songs that you might know yourself, you might know because your parents listen to it, you might know because your grandparents listen to it, whatever it might be, all really fun music. Yes. My favorite, though, would be I Want You Back. That's the one that I'm going to want every time I go on. <sighs> um, and I, I just, it's... What, what happens in that scene? I, I think this, I've only been on this ride a couple of times, actually. Um, and I do think that this is one of the ones I saw, maybe the very first one that I went on, um, because I kind of, re- like, I'm reading the scene, and I kind of remember sort of what it was. Um, but basically, like, 
the first scene that you're seeing is the guardians are jumping out of their confinement and then Drax gets captured by like this large tentacled monster at some point in the, the next scenario, you're going to see Peter Quill kicking a rat like creature uh, into the cages before being attacked then by like a whole group of them. Um, so it's just kind of stuff like that. And it's going to fit, fit thematically in with, you know, I want you back. I think there's a little bit of something in each of these that like ties a little bit to the song. So like, you know, Drax gets out, but gets captured back. So it's like, I want you back, right? You know, the tentacle monster's pulling him back in. Oh, that's funny. Um, so I, I, you're yeah. thinking of this way deeper than I was just like, this is silly. Um, that one's also my favorite. But another one that I do, oh gosh, I do like Free Ride and Burning Love, I also really love. Um, I'm going to choose uh, Free Ride just because it's a, a little bit of a different story. So the first scenario is going to be the Guardians. Um, they are coming out and they're shooting oncoming attacks before Baby Groot pushes this red button. And then all of a sudden it turns off the artificial gravity and they all kind of start floating. They're like, Baby Groot. And he's like, what? I'm just Groot. And then the next scene um, is showing everyone like floating while Quill is telling Baby Groot to push the button that brings back the gravity. Um, yeah. And then everything in the collection falls, including us. Yeah. And I mean, I think you can think of that too. Free ride. Yeah. You know, you're, it's free. You're free of gravity. Man, you're so smart. I didn't even think yeah. of any of this. That's a, that's called an English major there for you. <laughs> um, I, it's really fun. Uh, please check out the other scenarios, too. If you have a favorite, let us know um, about that. Um, so to wrap up this ride, um, it is still the same ride as Tartar in terms of uh, the building is still the same it's 183 feet tall um you are going to have free uh faster than free fall you're going to rise and fall biggest difference as i said before um at no point does it stop you are constantly moving up and down up and down up and down uh the ride itself is two minutes and 15 seconds so which is actually shorter than the um than what i was able to find for the tower of terror ride which is like 310 yeah, um, not as much up and downs, I suppose. Yeah. So if you do get motion sickness um, or are afraid of elevators, I wouldn't suggest this. Yeah. Uh, there is. This is Will highlighted this, um, and you can cut this if you want. Uh, but just before you board the gantry, there's an exit, and you can tell a cast member, like, you know what, I'm a little afraid, I'd like to get off. Um, I was with somebody who has a phobia of elevators, but decided to try this anyways, and then got too scared, asked a cast member to leave. But then the way you leave is through an elevator. <laughs> I didn't realize that part of it. And so the cast member was like, well, Aww. I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, this is your option. And totally freaking out. Um, and then eventually the cast member let them take the stairs, but was like, don't do this again. <laughs> 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 that's funny yeah i thought it was i mean it's not funny they have a phobia but no of course not but it is it is funny that the only way to get away from the elevator is to take a it's, different elevator exactly yeah. <laughs> um, um so uh, speaking of hidden elevators and hidden stairwells let's do some of the hidden mickeys and easter eggs yeah let's do it um there is a ton so I'll try to get to some of my favorites. There's too many to talk about. There's there's over 30. I mean, there's 30, 40. Like, it's so many. Um, one of my favorites that's really obvious is in the boiler room. Um, I'm going to keep calling it that. Is Harold the Yeti, the original Harold. Um, if you go all yeah. the way back to one of our original episodes, Harold is the Yeti from Matterhorn. 
Yeah, uh, one and 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 one ride that we haven't talked about yet. Although I think we've mentioned maybe in one or two uh, episodes, but we haven't done a full one yet. Um, that there's a little special Easter egg to is inside uh, Tavon's desk is a nod to XS Tech, an alien corporation featured in the Magic Kingdom's long-shuttered extraterrestrial alien encounter, um, which was the one that was too way too scary for me to go on. We have, um, we have mentioned how scary this is. Um, I can't wait to do an episode on it. And when I saw that this is there, I'm like, oh my God, I have to find that next time I go. I have absolutely. to find this letter. Yeah, to me now that that ride has taken on kind of a cult uh, classic kind of feel to it. Um, I, I mean, I think I may have mentioned this on whenever it comes up. Uh, I viscerally remember being like scared <laughs> as a child with the idea of maybe going on it, like crying to the fact where I didn't think I wanted to walk over towards it. I was too yeah. scared. <laughs> so, so I'm excited for when we get to do an episode on it. Um, there's also, uh, there's a ton of different um, Marvel memorabilia that's going to be in there there's a ton of like hydra stuff but i i'm going to go back to the disney ones just because that's where our focus is um mm-hmm. you know one day we can do one that goes more into the guardian stuff but um there are some vintage disney maps so um there are going to be two in his office and they're they're displayed upside down and so it shows and it even shows like the original like, disneyland hotel and one shows the trains um so i thought that was really cool um, but while we're talking about Disney, uh, they do have a little bit of a um, a little retro Minnie Mouse figurine that you can find in there as well. Um, it's in Tavon's cabinetry. Um, and so that's, you know, if, if you're looking for specific uh, Disney memorabilia, that's one of the pieces that you can find in there. Uh, yeah, it's a tin wind-up toy from the 30s. Yeah. Um, Did you know that my uh, mom collects that kind of stuff? Really? Yeah. That's cool. She likes the little tin tin toys from from way back when. One of my favorite ones is Dolores. And so in the Country Bear Vacation Hoedown, which was a popular attraction that closed at Disneyland in 2001, um, there was like this octopus. um, And I guess it was like the girlfriend of one of the bears. And that's in it too, kind of. Um, in the boiler room area. <laughs> um, and just to kind of tie it all, come full circle a little bit, we're doing this for Joe Rody. Um, there is a Rody book that can be found um, in there as well, which I think is just kind of a nod, obviously, to the designer of both this attraction and a lot of other attractions and big parts of uh, the Disney theme parks. So as we mentioned, he he just recently retired. Um, so it's cool that they still, you know, obviously are going to keep these little Easter eggs to him in the attractions as well. Yeah, as we close this out, you know, another way that they close out Guardians of the Galaxy um, is that during the fall Halloween festival time, um, they do Guardians of the Galaxy's Monsters After Dark. We talked about it a little bit on our Halloween episode, uh, so make sure to check that out if you have not. Um, and it is, the during the day, you still get Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. At night, you get... This very, like, heavy metal song, which I now found out was written by Tyler Bates, the composer of Guardians of the Galaxy film. So it is an original song. It's like, it literally sounds like, and yeah, it's pretty aggressive. It is. It's really fun, though. It's Rocket. uh, They lose Groot. 
because Groot's, you know, being silly and we have to find him. Um, so that's the way that they switch it up for the holidays. Yeah, I haven't actually been on that one yet, but I uh, would like to. It's fun. That's, it's really fun. Yeah. Well, with that said, I think it's time to get to some of our closing segments. Uh, let's start off uh, with everyone's favorite, uh, Disney on Yelp. Yay! <laughs> this Yelp review comes from Mike D. from Boise, Idaho. Um, Mike has 10 other reviews, uh, zero friends on Yelp, and um, no profile picture. <laughs> so, Ooh, mysterious. Um, really uh, not a power user like some of our other ones. Um, so he must Mike have really D needed says, to share this. <laughs> yes, he must have. Mike D says, uh, everything was great until the ride, the building. <laughs> Dance lessons with Groot, meeting Star-Lord and Gamora, even waiting in line in the building with all the details was great. The introductory video was high quality. Rocket asked us to help him escape, and he was well done. The ride, question mark? If you like the vertical up and down for no reason, you will love it. <laughs> if you want your ride to be tied to a story, you, like me, will be disappointed. There was great quality shots of characters doing something, parenthetical again to me not tied to helping rocket escape but no real reason for being vaulted up and down three stars oh he didn't like the ride itself no he said i need i need more story out of my ride why am i going up and down this doesn't make sense but you know to be fair he's not wrong they very did clearly take an attraction that was already designed for something else and then just put guardian stuff on it so this is true you know. the fact though that disney can make a storyline out of either tower of terror or the guardians of the galaxy in true. a drop ride yeah still blows my mind good point good point um so thank you mike for your review <laughs> um so let's get into our usual questions to end um an episode um where does this ride fit into your day is it an every trip kind of thing and if so where does it go um tower of terror and guardians continuing yes it is a usual every trip kind of thing um i usually try to grab a fast pass for it um if not i just try to do it in the line is shorter usually it's kind of i i usually start in california adventure and so i'll ride some other things this is going to be towards the end of my time in California Adventure, um, but also a great ride to like wake everyone up, get everyone excited. Um, not something to do after you've eaten a full meal. <laughs> but um, but definitely, I, I do love these rides, so. Yeah, this one is definitely one of the ones that I will, I think I need to do it earlier in the day because if I wait too long, then my stomach starts to feel a little queasy about it. Mm. And, then I just, and then I'm like, maybe I don't want to do it this time. And then, uh, but I always enjoy it when I do go on it. So I just need to get into it before I can think about it too much. There you go. That makes um, sense. So with that said, uh, you're on your way out of the park. Um, there is a 10 minute wait to do it. Do you run on it right before you head to the car if there's a if there's no line effectively? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I I think I could talk myself into that too, because then it's like, well, I'll be awake. It's gonna wake me up for the ride home. It's <laughs> so. definitely a wake me up ride. Uh I will say when it first opened, I wrote it and then I was like a little mad at it, so I didn't ride it for a while. Uh, I've come to peace with it. So, and I do, there's a lot that I love. I mean, um, I wish it didn't take away Tower of Terror, but the ride itself is really fun. You, it's such a blast. You really can't beat it. And um, you, 
if you come off that ride not smiling, I don't know what to tell you, uh, unless you get motion sickness. But <laughs> if you're okay <laughs> with the tummy um, aspect of it, it you're going to come off with a big smile on your face laughing. Um, come run. Go check out your picture before you leave. Laugh at yourself or the people with you. I've been on this ride where people fully cheering like as if their favorite band had just performed. They had so much fun. It just has that really great energy to it. And yeah. again, it's that music that, that really ties it all together. Um, so with that said, what would you change about the ride? And that does not include, you can't take it back to Tower of Terror. Yeah, I it has to be about Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. I knew you were going to say that. Well, of course. Um, may, I mean, all I can say is maybe some more scenes, maybe some more songs, you know? Or I like when they change it to the holiday, maybe change it so uh, you have more different like different uh alts to it throughout the year yeah i think that that's probably the right way to go i um i think that's probably what i would say too it'd be cool to have like more of a rotating soundtrack not that i've gone through all of it yet but um i just like that so it'd be cool to see more of it um but to give in the in the spirit of saying something different um i would like to see them come up with a better approach towards the uh, aesthetic in the building. And because it does just feel like they're like, well, the collector has a bunch of stuff. So we've got a bunch of stuff here. And there's a lot of cool stuff to look at it. But it does still feel like they just reskinned it to make it more Guardian. So if you can find a way to, to, to lean into it a little bit more and give me a reason for that to be there, then I'm then I'm going to be more. into. I, I would like that if they could do it. OK, yours is equally as good. Yeah, I I would definitely change the skinning. <laughs> so um, it doesn't just so the boiler room doesn't remain the boiler. So room. that I can stop calling it the boiler room. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one of the advantages to these type of rides, um, like Toy Story Mania, the screens you do have more room to play. Um, obviously, they got to pay the actors for this one, which costs a lot of money. Um, but I I think you have more flexibility there, which is fun. Yeah, and and I'll be interested to see you know how my opinions of this change and how it feels if if at all different once the avengers campus is open if it feels more of a part of that or yeah or, you know. i was just thinking that actually uh because avengers campus is supposed to open june 2021 i do not think that will happen uh we'll see i i hope it does open next year though i wonder if they'll add some new scenes when that happens yeah get that, some other characters in there That'd that be would be really cool so because um, there's, I mean, I'm curious to see how they're gonna like. Clearly, they've kind of set up uh, Thor to be part of their their traveling adventures um, in Guardians Three, perhaps. So Ooh, yeah. you know, maybe he'll make an appearance. I don't know. Be interesting. Lots of fun things to think about and get excited for. Um, I hope you had a galactic adventure. And if you did, uh, make sure to reach out and let us know. Uh, we, we have been getting some more messages, which excites me to no end. Um, we still have to get back to some of you, but please keep reaching out. Um, share your Disney stories with us. Uh, do you like this ride? Uh, let us know. You can do so on reaching out on social media at Slice of Disney on Facebook and Instagram and uh, Slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. You can email us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And uh, share with some friends. You probably have some fellow Disney goers. Uh, send, them, send them your favorite attraction and say, check out this podcast. Uh, they did a cool one on 
Expedition Everest. Yeah, please. We love that. So um, thank you again for joining us. Happy New Year. Let's let's keep this uh, let's keep this slice of Disney party going. Okay, bye. <laughs>